Epiphany primarily commemorates the visit by the Magi to the infant Jesus, which is seen as evidence that Christ, the Jewish Messiah, was also had come for salvation of Gentiles. And the Magi were, after all, non-Jews from the East. And it reminds me of a particular bumper sticker. Now, I don't know if you're a fan of bumper stickers at all, if you would let them be on your car. I have certain friends who would never allow a bumper sticker on their car. Some of them are in this room. Uh, and then there are others of you who are quite glad to put as many bumper stickers on your car as possible as one sat right outside my house, actually my next door neighbors. And uh, one of my friends, they have one, they have one of those Mercedes big passenger vans now because they got that many kids. And it just says, we used to be cool. You've probably seen it around the island, right? Yeah. <laughs> that one, that's a particularly good one. But uh, the, the story today from our gospel reminded me of the bumper sticker you occasionally see on the cars of some particularly witty Christians that simply says, wise men still seek him, right? You ever seen that one? Wise men still seek him. And while it may be somewhat cheesy, it is somewhat true. And I like to tell my kids uh, and anyone else who'll listen, many a true word is spoken in jest. Wise men, wise women, wise people still seek Jesus. Well, today we come across two such people in our gospel reading. One of them is the apostle Andrew, uh, who's the brother of Simon Peter, we're told that. But we're unsure about the other. It's quite likely it's John who's actually writing this gospel who is saying that. Not John the Baptist will come to him later, but the disciple John. And upon encountering Jesus, he asks them, what are you seeking? And besides the first section of our reading and John the Baptist's proclamation that he gives, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, it's, this is the phrase for me that rings out loudest from our gospel reading today. What are you seeking? The very first words that the disciple John records that Jesus says are, what are you seeking? There's nothing, he hasn't spoken up until that point in John's gospel. And when he says that, it's not so much that Jesus is saying, have you lost something I can help you find? Like this morning when I was running around the church <laughs> saying to Carl, where are my keys? I can't find my keys. Not that kind of loss, but what are you searching for in life? What is your soul's deepest desire or yearning? Jesus knows that these two men are searching for something, and he challenges them to consider what that thing truly is. And the truth of it is that we're all seeking something in this life. Some of us are seeking security in this life. Some of us are seeking peace. Some of us are seeking a way to be remembered from beyond the grave. Some of us are seeking to be famous. Some of us are just seeking healing from the wounds of our past. Some of us are seeking answers to life's deepest questions. Some of us are just seeking to be left alone, right? <laughs> just leave me alone. But we're all seeking something. And today I want to ask you, like Jesus, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What are you looking for in this life? And what do you want from God? So let's turn to our scripture readings for today and see what God would say to those of us who have ears to listen. You can follow along on your scripture sheet if you want to. And we'll begin with our Old Testament reading, Exodus chapter 12. And in that, today, we encounter the enslaved nation of Israel. There are people who are seeking deliverance from oppression. After 400 years in Egypt, they are an oppressed people enslaved by them. And they're desperately hoping they're going to be rescued by God from the hands of these evil Egyptians and also this wicked tyrant, Pharaoh, that they're under. And it seems appropriate that we have this reading on the Martin Luther King holiday weekend. And you know, King once preached these words concerning seeking God. He said this, we should search for God. We were made for God. 
and we will be restless until we find rest in him. And I say to you this morning that this is the personal faith that has kept me going. I'm not worried about the future. You know, even on this race question, I'm not worried. Somewhere I read, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I'm going on because I have faith in him. I do not know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. King's quoting St. Augustine right there when he talks about finding rest. And he knows that there's no lasting peace until we find God and enter into a personal relationship with him. Yes, we won't find rest and we won't find our real purpose in any place apart from God. But you know, we have a problem, don't we? While we may not be slaves in the sense that the Israelites are slaves, or we may not be slaves in the sense that those first Africans brought to America were slaves, we are actually all born into the slavery of sin. That's the language that Jesus and the Apostle Paul use when they're talking about sin. We are in chains, unable to rescue ourselves from sin itself. No, we need a rescuer, which brings us to our gospel reading, John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we encounter John the Baptist. He's this wild man, this seemingly crazy man who's crying out in the wilderness outside of Jerusalem, calling people to repentance of sin and baptizing them right there in the River Jordan, um, much like we're going to baptize Reese a little bit later today. And John's a man who's been seeking to prepare the way for the Messiah, the one who will save Israel. In fact, who's going to save all people from their sins. He's going to break the chains that hold them in bondage. And now... It's happened. He's found what he's been searching for. In verse 29, we read this. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a strange name, isn't it? Lamb of God. Not a name we hear often, but our Old Testament reading helps us to understand what John means when he says this. And you see, the setting for this reading is that it's the day before the Israelites will escape slavery in Egypt and will never return, before God will send his angel of death to visit Egypt and kill all the firstborn sons there. And in order to escape this terrible judgment, there's something the Israelites need to do in order that their houses will be passed over. And so in Exodus chapter 12, 21, we read this. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. And then in verses 24 through 27, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses." And so just as the Israelites needed a lamb's blood to escape, so John's statement makes it clear that Jesus will be the necessary sacrifice for all of humanity, for the sin of all humanity, that we too might escape God's judgment. Yes, God's providing the lamb for our deepest need. And his blood shed upon the cross will pay for sin in a once and for all kind of way, no longer requiring an annual Passover sacrifice. As Kent Hughes puts it, Christianity is a bloody religion. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. This reality must be primary in our witness and in our thinking. Yes, Christ came to give abundant life. Yes, Christ worked miracles. And he can work miracles in our lives today, but these are the benefits of the gospel, not the gospel itself. 
The gospel centers upon Christ as the sin bearer, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we keep the wonder of the atonement before us, we will be different people. The sacrificial death of Christ, this is the essence of the gospel that we proclaim, and it's what people need most of all. It's what we can seek all of our life in all kinds of places and not find anywhere else freedom from sin and the guilt that accompanies it, making us a completely different people. And so it's no wonder that when John tells his disciples that, yes, this is the Lamb of God, they immediately choose to follow him instead. Now, it might have been tough for John, because, but as he himself said elsewhere, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, and I must decrease. And in that moment, that very thing is happening. And so off they go. And when Jesus asks them what they're seeking, they don't really answer the question, but instead they ask Jesus where he's staying, verse 38. But, but perhaps... This is the best answer when it comes to seeking God because they want to spend time with him. That's what they want to do. They don't necessarily know necessarily what they're seeking, but they know that if they spend time with him, they're going to figure it out. And you know, whenever someone genuinely seeks God, I believe he always replies, as he does right here, come and you will see. Come and you will see. And as we spend time with him through worship like we're doing right now, through hearing teaching like you're hearing right now, through reading the scriptures as we heard read earlier, through reading books about him, through studying the Bible in small groups like our life groups that we have, through fasting, through prayer, through solitude, yes, we come to realize that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Messiah who can rescue us, even from the darkest of places. He's the one we've been searching for in those dark places. He's the one who frees us even from broken marriages, from crippling debt, abusive relationships, crushing disappointment, terminal diseases, abject failures we go through. In him, though, there's always hope. And like John, he rescues us and he gives us purpose. And you know, in one sense, right there, as he rescues us, the seeking ends. We've been saved. But in another sense, it continues, which brings us to our final reading today, 1 Corinthians. And in our New Testament reading, we encounter the church in Corinth, this new church, relatively new, a collection of former pagans and Jews, a people who are facing persecution for their beliefs as the followers of the way. That's what the first Christians were called, followers of the way. And this is a tight-knit community of folks who found what they're seeking for amidst all the pagan gods and idols of their culture. They found Jesus, and they've been set free by, or set free from sin by the Lamb of God. And yet they're still seeking something. You know, they're seeking Jesus' second coming. We hear it talked about by Paul in his reading right here. They're seeking it still. The time when Jesus will return from heaven and will come deliver them from the hands of their oppressors and take them to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth, a place of no more suffering and pain, no more mourning, no more sorrow. It reminds me of the song by a band called U2 called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Did I tell you that I like the Irish rock band U2? Did you know that yet? You did? Okay, maybe I told you that before. And yes, I did get that book for Christmas, in case you're wondering. Well, in the song, the lead singer, Bono, sings this. I believe in the kingdom come, when all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. And yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame, you know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
It's really a very much a modern day gospel song. That's what I love about that. There's this sense, isn't there, in the song that while he's found faith in Jesus, there's still more to come. Bono is still seeking. In particular, he's searching for the final rest of being in the presence of God in the new heaven and the new earth. Yes, even when we find Jesus, or perhaps a better way to put it is he finds us, the best is yet to come. So what are you seeking? You know, I assume you're here today, unless you're a kid or a spouse who's been dragged here by someone else, which I know is a reality. But I assume that you're seeking Jesus, or at least religion of some kind. Well, the good news is that you've come to the right place. But the question is, are you willing to respond the same way that those first two disciples did? Because you can seek all you want. In fact, you might look like the best of all seekers. But unless you want to spend time with Jesus in a personal relationship with him, getting to know him through the body of Christ, through scripture, through time in prayer, it's impossible to find him. You know, it may take a couple of times hearing someone else say, look, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world before you realize that following Jesus wherever he goes, living with him is the only way you're ever going to find what you're seeking, entering into a lifelong commitment to live with Jesus and to be part of his saving work in the world. That's the only way you'll ever fulfill that deep longing inside of you. It's a longing that you might not even be able to name, but it's there, and only Jesus, the Lamb of God, can fill that God-sized hole in your heart. So will you accept the invitation to become a part of Christ's life? And if that's something you've already done, who do you need to go and find this week and say, look, I found the Messiah, come. I found the Messiah. The one who can rescue them from their sins too and give them true purpose in this life, loving him and loving others. Who will you be an Andrew to? Who will you be an Andrew to this week? Perhaps you'll say, you know what? That friend with all those questions, I need to invite them to Theology on Tap on Wednesday. Got to invite them because they've got questions and I know who the Messiah is and I know that they will encounter him in the midst of those people Wednesday night. <clears throat> Friends, there is a God and he is real, and we meet him in the person of Jesus Christ. And we need him if we're going to be rescued from our sin, and if we're going to find true hope and purpose. Seems appropriate to end with one more quote from Martin Luther King, who said this, Modern man may know a great deal, but his knowledge does not eliminate God. And I tell you this morning that God is here to stay. A few theologians are trying to say that God is dead. And I've been asking them about it because it disturbs me to know that God died and I didn't have a chance to attend the funeral. They haven't been able to tell me yet the date of his death. They haven't been able to tell me yet who the coroner was that pronounced him dead. They haven't been able to tell me yet where he's buried. Let nobody make us feel that we don't need God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do need you. And that yearning within us that seeks fulfillment in all kinds of things is an indicator that we need you. And when we seek you in all the wrong places and discover that we are not fulfilled, it's an indicator that we do need you, the one who made us, who made us in your image and created us to be in relationship with you. Lord, would we keep seeking you today? And as we seek, would we hear you say, come, come.
Come follow me. Come spend time with me. And would we encounter the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and gives us new purpose, new hope, right purpose, and right hope in this world. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.